Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com. Um, a little side note while we're doing that. I don't know if you've noticed, but for those uh, reading the one-year Bible, you've gotten a treat over the last two Sundays in songs. Um, last week with the, the bones um, out of Ezekiel, and this week uh, Daniel uh, in the, um, the furnace. So just, you know, just side note, you know, little details, little details of going on. You see that? You're like, oh, that sounds really familiar. Um, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, we have free ones out on the counter, so uh, we encourage uh, the church to read out of the one-year Bible. Um, it's just a Bible that's been broken down, so if you read it every day for a year, you will read the entire Bible, and it's broken down to the day. So like today, you got a little bit of Daniel, uh, a little bit of Peter, uh, a little bit of Psalms, and a little bit of Proverbs, and in a total year, you will read the entire Bible uh, and they're out on the debt on our guest services table on the way out. So if you want one of those, they're free of charge. Uh, we've given a ton of those away and are happy to put the Word of God into your hands so you can read them. Um, so they're there if you want them. And, side note, uh, this will be the last week of it for the year, but typically during the year I'm preaching out of something that you read, so not only in the music but also uh, in my preaching you'll get out of the one-year Bible something you read, which... Today, out of 1 Peter, um, chapter 2 will be in there. So you've been reading this week. You're going to get right into it. So, i got a, a, one question to start us off for today. Who are you? <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard question. Uh, but how you answer that question will shape the way you live. Uh, many of us are shaped and live a certain way because we've been told and do believe about ourselves things that may not even be true. Um, I've talked about a lot of my insecurities over the years and how they've shaped me, and one of the reasons I get up uh, real early in the morning, um, I was teased in middle school about my weight, (laughs) so one of the reasons I'm a little psychotic and I get up at 4.30 most mornings to go work out is not because I love working out or love getting up in the morning, I just am afraid. (laughs) getting teased again. Not so much, but that's a little bit into me. But the way you think about who you are and your identity will shape the way you live. Uh, Many of you, like me, live with a lower view of yourself. Knowing your purpose and identity will shape your future, period. Today, Peter will give us or give every child of God a title that will surprise you. Uh, I'm going to spend our time cultivating the soil around this title or around this truth this morning so that we can grow into it. Most of what the Bible does for his children, one, it tells you how to live, it tells you what to do and what your mission is, but it tells you who you are. It tells you over and over again, if you are a son of God, if you are a daughter of God, then you have an identity, you have a purpose that exceeds your own and no longer are you just meant to Do it on your own, but you're meant to lean into God and allow Him to build you up into that truth. So let's pray before we get into the Word. 
Father, I am grateful, um, Lord, that we don't, we, don't, we don't get to and we don't have to make this up as we go. Uh, Lord, that you've given us uh, all the truth that we need to know in your word. And I, I pray in Jesus' name that you would allow us to see it for the truth that it is, understand it fully. And to, to that point, we need your Holy Spirit inside of us. So, Lord, would you empower us this morning as we hear these words that we begin to believe about ourselves things that we don't. Lord, and we start operating out of that identity instead of the one that we have placed on ourselves. So, Lord, we need your word. We need your truth. Uh, we need your spirit this morning. Uh, would you cultivate in us uh, a people set apart for your purpose? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, <clears throat> Peter was surprisingly uh, written by Peter or written by a co-worker of his by, for Peter. Uh, this was a letter written to churches in Asian Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. They, they had a lot of ministry that was going into modern-day Turkey. I don't know if you saw that. A lot of letters went to that general area. First, written, uh, first Peter was written um, to non-Jews and the Jews that were living in an area where Greeks and Romans were persecuting both of those very heavily. And this letter was meant to encourage and strengthen the church to trust in and to live for Jesus. Peter let them know that they were part of God's covenant people. No longer was God's covenant people just the Jews. It was now all those who trusted and believed in Jesus. It let them know that they were a part of a new kingdom of priests, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And their witness is the hope of life chains for others. So I'm going to cover 12 verses this morning, starting in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 12. And like I said again, and I like to state this because I think sometimes uh, if for an outsider looking in, when you hear truths, you believe that all those truths are for everyone, and those truths aren't necessarily for everyone, they're for his Children. So uh, if you claim to be a child of God and you say, you know, God is my father and I've given my life to God, these things are spoken to you. Specifically, what we're going to get to in verse 9 in a little bit. So let's start in verse 1. It says, So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. So malice is this <laughs> wicked, ill will. Sounded really southern there. I am from North Carolina. Sorry. The deceit is deliberate dishonesty, hypocrisy, pretending to be um, more holy than you really are, and more loving than you truly are. Envy, resentful or discontent, and slander is this backbiting lie. So what he's saying here before we get into all those stuff, and this is to the church. Before, and I love, um, for those that were here when Josh was here um, from um, Christian Recovery Center, he said it's not just what we're called to, it's what we're called from. And, and what you'll see all throughout with Jesus and in almost every New Testament book and Old Testament book, it's calling you out of what you were before and into what God wants you to be. We cannot pursue the things that God has for us and stay the same 
people. One, because it ruins our testimony. It ruins to, to, for me to say we should love everyone and me not be loving. They're going to be like, ah. you know, if you see me not loving people, and I tell you, which we're starting a series, our, 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 our holiday, our Christmas series that's uh, leading up to the 24th, I'm starting a series on what love looks like. Because really, that's what Jesus did. He came and put on flesh, and he showed us what love looked like. And so let's not assume that we know what love looks like. But for us to talk about and communicate love, we cannot expect people to live what we say when we don't live it. And so what he's talking about here, before he even gets into this other stuff, he's saying, hey, we need to put this away. We need to walk away from them. Verse 2. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it may, may you grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Newborn babies have their minds set on just a few things. Really one major thing, and then other things that you need to clean off of them so that they don't feel uncomfortable with wet and poop all over them. They want to be clean. But one of their main mindsets is they want to be fed. They want food. They want milk. And, and they don't have words to be like, hey, mom, like when you feel like you're up to it, I know you're sleeping right now, um, but when you're good, would you feed me? Because I'm hungry. No, they're just like, I want food. And this is what he's saying. He said, we need to, 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 to long for this pure and spiritual milk. And what he says to them, the what it does for us, that pure, pure spiritual milk, it helps us grow up into our salvation. See, every single person in here that had a moment where you said yes to Jesus, you, hopefully, you know more now than you did then. So we say yes to Jesus with limited information. Don't take me wrong, but you only know so much. You only knew so much when you said yes to Jesus. And what should be happening is that we should be cultivating that knowledge so that we're growing up into that love for him. It should be ongoing. There isn't, I've gotten enough. We're not fully satisfied. We should never be fully satisfied, meaning no more hunger for what God wants for us. We should be pursuing it over and over again, which is why we encourage the one-year Bible. We think and not just the one-year Bible, but we think and believe that the most fruitful thing that you can do is spend time studying the Word of God because it will show you, just like passages that we're going to look at today, what's wrong inside of you and what you need to do to fix those things. And some of that is, and, and you've heard this before, um, if you eat, and we just came out of a little bit of gluttony, let's just all say it, everybody probably... Send a little bit on Thursday. Um, <clears throat> but it's real hard, let's say, before at our house we had like appetizers. Anybody do like like finger, like food? It just, it kind of like, my wife made this um, cream cheese, cheese, bacon, ranch, looked like a pumpkin. And I just couldn't stop. Like, I'd walk by, and there's a little bit more, and a little bit more. And, like, for the hour leading up to this very nice meal that we had, you know, there's something about ranch and cream cheese and bacon. It's just like, it is like, oh, there's a cracker I haven't tried it on. Oh, there's a pretzel. I wonder what it tastes like with this pretzel. Oh, 
I, and, and for those that know me, I love these um, sweet heat jalapenos. So then I pulled those out, and I'm like, I wonder what it tastes like with that on it. And this was all leading up to dinner. And the same thing with your kids. You notice that your, your kids are hungry, but if they eat junk food before, they won't be hungry for the good food. And the same thing with our spiritual life. We have to be very cautious that we're not filling ourselves with things that are going to taint our hunger for that pure spiritual milk. And for those, in verse 3, it says, Indeed, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. I love, I'm a sucker for like videos of kids, but I've seen a couple of these played out where like a one-year-old, maybe it's his birthday or her birthday, um, and they get their first sweet. You ever seen, have you seen the video? There's like two of them that I can just picture in my head, and the kid's like very insecure about, like, what is this? And he just gets a little bit of it. <laughs> he's like bear hugs, and he's like, I dare you to try to take this from me. And he's like burying his face in the, like, the sugar. It's like, oh. I saw the same one with the ice cream, and the mom was allowing the kid to like taste her, her ice cream, and the kid's like, oh, I'm not sure if I want this. Just grabs the cone and is like tearing the cone apart, pulling it to his mouth. And that's that's the thought. Like once you've tasted that God is good, you 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 should be that same. It should be that same picture. You're like, I know that it's that good. I want more. Should be drawn to it. Verse four says, as you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be, whole, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. See, you are being built into a spiritual house. You are being called to be part of a holy priesthood. That's what we are. We're blocks being built into that. And we're going to get into, in just a second, we're going to talk about this idea that Jesus is being the cornerstone. Absolutely, if you build your, being living stones that is built on the wrong thing is not going to do anything. But being living stones built on the rock, we can build ourselves into a people. And, And what he's talking about here, and we saw this when we talked about last week with Hebrews. Jesus has become a greater thing than the temple a greater thing than the priest, a greater thing than what was before. And before the temple, the holy mound, like this was a place that you had high reverence to. And now Peter is telling the people, you are being built into that. You are being built into the house of God. We are housing the Holy Spirit. Spiritual sacrifices, Romans 12.1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers by the mercy of God, to present your body as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. See, it says, offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Those aren't the lamb. Those aren't the ram. Those aren't the ox anymore. They're us. And what you'll see over and over again is God is calling us to sacrifice our wants and needs for the greater good of the people of God. Like God is asking you, like husbands and wives, the image that God has given us to represent our relationship with the Father, this bridegroom and bride, 
is this image with the husband and wife. And, and, and if you've been married more than a minute, you understand that that is a difficult task. It is a difficult task to sacrificially love the other person like they deserve over and over again, day in, day out, for years. It is work. I've, I've thoroughly, I tell people this all the time. It is hard, because statistics show this, it is hard to stay married for long periods of time, 50% divorce rate in the U.S. I think it's even harder, so some of you may succeed at staying together for a long period of time, but it's even harder to have a relationship that you still want to be in, not that you choose to stay in. Which is my goal. Um, Jody and I will be celebrating 26 years in February, and... I know, um, I don't look old enough to be married for 26 years, um, although I look at my hands every day. Did, I don't know about you guys, but like I'm struggling getting old and like looking down and realizing because I, I have inside of me like this 25-year-old, that's what I think, and then I look in the mirror and I see gray hair, I see the age spots, I see these things growing on my hands and the wrinkles, and it's just, it's, oh, it's hard. And then if you saw my mustache, it's filled with white hair. That's, that's what most of my beard was. <clears throat> Verse 6. It says, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I, lay, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. This is quoted out of Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen. And therefore, <clears throat> sorry, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Quoting out of Psalms 118.22. And a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobeyed the word and they, sorry, as they were destined to do. Um, one Kind of cool thing, if you've never done this, depending on what kind of Bible we have, most Bibles have references. So especially when you see, like if you were looking at this section uh, in your Bible, it's kind of set apart from the others. They, they look like quotes, but there's also other references that are in your Bible that are referring to Old Testament quotes. And I recommend, as you're reading the New Testament, specifically has it, if it has a reference to the Old Testament, read the context of that. Great information there. See, Peter was laying his ground for his next statement that he was built into. And see, he was also counteracting or going against the priest of the day. They were leading people away from the cornerstone. They were the ones leading up to Jesus's crucifixion saying, it's better for us as a nation to sacrifice one person so that our nation isn't lost and the, 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 the people of God aren't lost. It's better for us to sacrifice Jesus, the one, the cornerstone, the chosen and precious by God. And they were the ones being... <laughs> they, it was the stumbling, the rock of offense. Listen to this. Jesus says something very similar in Matthew 21, starting in verse 42. It says, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scriptures... The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. 
Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing fruit. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when he falls, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. This is the picture of what he's laying the groundwork for here. And we talked about this last week. When How do we get through the middle? Is We have to set our eyes on the right thing. We have to have the right cornerstone. We have to have the right foundation. And we have to continually look back to that. Verse 9. And this is the primary verse for what I wanted to talk about today. Verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So who is he talking to here? He wasn't talking to those that didn't believe. He was talking to those who believed in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, whether they be Jew or Greek. John um, chapter 1, verse 12, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. See, a child is given this honor. Not people... He wasn't speaking this to the world. He wasn't speaking this to everyone. He was speaking to those who were, had chosen Christ as their cornerstone. And he was calling them a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, a people that he chose and desired and will empower to change our world. We literally are standing in the year 2023 right now. Um, I'm preaching um, in a church in Leland, North Carolina, because of this. Because of people willing to sacrifice their life to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called them out of darkness and into marvelous light. What does that look like? What does it look like for us to proclaim? And, and here's here's the... Not the weight that I want to put on you, but it will feel like a weight. The weight is, if we understood what this meant to every single person in this room that has chosen to be a child of God, that has submitted and surrendered their life to Him, um, I think our lives would be different. I think some of you look to me, have an expectation of how I should live and what I should do and what I shouldn't watch or what I should you know, how I should say things or what I shouldn't do. You have lots of because I am. I, um, I, I rarely tell people in the world, um, especially places where I don't have a long time to talk to people, that I'm a pastor because it usually makes the conversation weird. Usually what follows is an apology for cussing. That event that we did a couple of weeks ago, I, you know, I don't go, hey, I don't wear like the Holy Cross and like I am a pastor, like I bring communion for you guys. I don't, I don't do any of that because I want, I want this relational interaction because, you know, and I was talking to somebody um, and I had said he was like, we were asking what he do and I can't, I won't lie. I'm mean, like, oh, I'm a, I'm a speaker. Like I, I won't do anything like try to get around the truth. And so I told him, and then we're, we're chatting, and this other guy came up, and he was saying some, like, 
mildly inappropriate joke, and he's like, he's a pastor, and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like he's offended the Holy Spirit. He's like, oh man, this is going on my permanent record. And I'm like, that, and I told the guy beside me, I said, that's exactly why I don't tell people. But think about it for just a second. We all think that way. If you saw me doing something that I shouldn't do, you'd be like, oh, he shouldn't do that. He's a pastor. If you see me speed by you, pray for my forgiveness. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be better. Like, I don't know why I'm in a race all the time. And I, you know, I always think when I ride by somebody that's got a reach sticker, I'm like, oh. <laughs> Uh, I need to take those stickers off my car, but I've had my truck for so long, it's like everybody... There is, there, I just want to say this. There are like three trucks that look very similar to mine, so if someone's driving bad, make sure it's mine before you judge me. But we, we, if, if we thought this about ourselves, we would, we, would we would think differently about the things that we do. The problem is, you all think that way about me, but you don't think this way about you. And that's an issue because, right, if you read 1 Peter, before that he calls them to holiness. He says, be holy as I am holy. This isn't, be, let, let the pastor be holy and the rest of us can do whatever. <clears throat> He's called us all to be a holy priesthood. The priest of Jesus' day took their, now they weren't all, they didn't take everything serious, but their duties of the ceremonial, like going into the temple and the one, because what the priest did, and we're going to talk about this at the end, and this is kind of the call, the priest of the days of Jesus, and leading up from the beginning, they weren't intended, they were, and I, I hate when I skip a part, because I may, I, may, I may repeat this later, but this just come to my head, so I'm going to give it to you now. When Jesus, or when God started this, he intended for, for it to be this. He intended for the whole nation to be the, pre, the, the emissaries, the priests of God. This was an idea that he had from the beginning, but the problem was, is the people didn't live like that. So much so that um, <laughs> sin entered the people and... There was a rebellion, and he basically called. He said, if you're for God, come to me. And who came? The Levites. And he said, pick up swords. And in their zeal, they went and murdered people. I don't got time to explain all that. I don't even know if I can. <clears throat> but the reason why the, the lineage of Aaron became the priest is because of this encounter. They set themselves apart. It, it, God's ideal was it for to be a nation of priests, not just a people of priests, because, and you'll see this throughout the Old Testament, it was kind of like that's their responsibility, that's their duty, it's not mine. And so when we get this, it sets us into a position that we need to look at ourselves in a new light. And what did the priests do? early on when it was a tent, they prepared a place for people to meet God. That's the simple. They would set up the tent. They would prepare for God's presence to come down. And in the New Testament time, they had a legitimate temple. And what did they do? They did all the practices that would bring people in so that 
they could offer and help people walk into forgiveness through the sacrificial system. That was their ideal. That was what they were planning to do. So Now, we don't do this. You don't wait outside of the temple and say, hey, bring me your sheep and bring me these things. What we do as a royal priesthood is we prepare places for people to meet the presence of God. And it's not just here. Because it says that we are the temple, we, we are the tabernacle, the place where the presence of God resides is in us. And we should be thinking as we go out, as we have Thanksgiving Day, as we have Christmas Day, and we have family in, and we go out into places, every place that you go is a potential place for people to meet God. Because you become the priest, and what, that's all the priest does is he per- creates environments that people could have an encounter with the living God where they could understand and receive forgiveness. That's what the priests did. 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? How much more so would your life look different if you thought that every day? You thought that before you turned on Netflix. You thought that before you, you know, purchased whatever. You thought that before you walked into the ABC store. You talked that before you had a conversation with somebody you didn't like. But you, you thought, because I guarantee you that if I walked into a room that you were about to do something stupid, you would probably stop. I mean, maybe not. Maybe you're like, I don't care. Come watch this, Heath. I'm going to show you how to deal with people. My dad, um, in his 50s, my, my dad's parents were kind of teetotaler Baptists. They, they were not fans of alcohol. Teetotalers, they were like, no. And so my dad would never talk about or drink in front of. And my dad was in his 50s. You know, I was maybe 18, 19. We were in our local food line. And in, in this food line, the beer... It's right there. When you walked in the front door, if you looked over, you see all the beer in the coolers. But everybody comes in and goes to the right to, you know, they make their way and around. And so we're at the coolers. My dad didn't drink a ton. All right, he was not a heavy drinker, but he was buying a six-pack of beer. And, and he sees his mother walk in the thing. And you know what he does? He puts it down and then sneaks out the door. I'm like, you're 50 years old. Come on. But, I mean, and that's comedy, but think about it for a second. If we thought, I mean, how much greater a presence is the Holy Spirit than my grandmother and granny? Now, granny, she had a flask water, and she would wear you out. Like, I remember Thanksgiving, like, you did not sample the ham early without consequences. She would, oh, it would burn her up. But all the grandkids, we'd try to sneak in and get in. And she'd go to this closet where that thing was, and we were like, everybody. But imagine if we lived like, one, we are a royal priesthood. Two, we are the temple, the Holy Spirit. Everything that you do, it's not like you're like, oh, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause God for a second, and I'm going to do my thing. And then you come back, and you're going to unpause God. Be like, oh, no, it was good. I don't know what happened. Technical difficulty. No. Everywhere you go, everything you do is being... Recorded. Like if you put a little sticker on your phone or your computer, 
because you think someone's recording you, and they may. I'm not, I'm not judging that. But you better think the same way, that everywhere you go, that Holy Spirit is there. Because, and I don't mean to put a burden on you, but I mean it changes the way because everything that God wants you to do is the best for you. Every one of your issues right now, 99% sure on this one, every one of your issues right now is a sin that you've not dealt with to some extent. It's something that you stepped in or something you said or something you did, most of what's going on, and God through all his word, is trying to save you, not from being, you know, like having fun. That's kind of the idea. And for all of those that feel like, man, I want to go to hell because it's a party. This is going to be a rude awakening. But God's trying to rescue you and redeem you so that you can have the best of what he has for you. He's never trying to rob you. I I wish there was more of him going... Over my 47 years, there's lots of times I wish God, like as I was heading to something, that he just put out his foot and I tripped and fell on my face. Be like, yep, I'm not going to do that. God loves me enough to allow me to fall on my face so that I can learn. Some of us have fallen on our face so many times (laughs) because we're not learning. Let's learn. Verse 10. It says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Live like that's true. Live like that is most of us, including me at times, we forget the grace and mercy that God has poured out on us. And we live like the person that we were before because we forget what he has already done. Our kids do this, and we've done this, where like, we feel like our toe slid over the line, and it's like, oh, well, I've already done something stupid, and so we just jump in. Let's remember what he's done. Let's remember the mercy that he has given us and is giving us. Verse 11, it says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul, keeping your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Man. We're called to live like priests. We are literally, in another place, it calls us an ambassador. Ambassadors go to a place that is not their own, a a, a territory that was not their own, and they're saying, hey, this is the place of God. And I wrote in here, live like you think I should be living. Me. Because some of you, like, you're like, oh, he's, you should, (laughs) you should do this. And... Um, the truth is, we, we should all do that because I, I am, I, I know positionally, and I, I do have a, a place of authority because God's placed me here for that, but you and I stand on the same ground. You and I stand on the same place. I, I have not been elevated, and I think that's become kind of the danger of our view of Christianity is there's people that do the work of God, and then there's everyone else. He calls us to prepare a people to do the work of the ministry. That's you guys. 
here's where I'm going to take us home. Who are you? If you're a child of God, if you have, have stepped into the kingdom and said, I, I'm his, um, you are a priest. And that doesn't mean that you go start your own church. I mean, maybe God will call you to that. That doesn't mean that you, you know, go and do anything else other than you begin to invite people into the presence of God. You begin to show. And to do that, there are things and ways of living that we have to turn away from so that we can invite people into something. Because they want, I'm telling you, if you will live in a righteous way before people, it will produce in them a hunger. Now, at first, it will produce in them a, either a cynical nature, where they'll be like, ah, is this real? Because they want to see. But once they know that this is authentic, it will produce in them a hunger and a desire to have what you have. I encourage you this week, um, and our, our guys, I don't know if you know this, any of the middle school, high school boys in our um, youth group, one of the verses that we're memorizing is this one. So I've asked them to spend some time there, but I would encourage you to spend some time reading over this, soaking over this, and declare, if this is me, what should it change about me? A royal priest sets up places where people can meet God. Um, that's your house. First and foremost, if you've got children, if you've got a spouse, if you've got somebody else that lives in your house, um, that's your original duty that's your original place to show people to invite the presence in so that they would know god just like you do i'm going to invite our worship team up and we're going to we're going to take communion here here's the beauty of this this isn't just something um that you can only do here i encourage people take communion at home because what, what communion is, communion is a reminder of what Christ did for you. If you view communion correctly, you will look at these things and be reminded of what Christ has done for you. If you take communion today, you're declaring that you do not have the capacity to save yourself. As you take these elements, you're declaring that he, his body was broken for me. His blood was shed for me for the forgiveness of sin. And as we consume these things together, this is, this is our declaration that we are His. And, and how do we have the capacity to lead other people? By understanding this. If you understand that it is not you who saves yourself and your good works and your good effort, then other people will have a chance and an opportunity to meet a Savior that is willing to restore and rebuild them. So I encourage you, we're, I'm going to pray for us in just a second. We're going to go in. We have a full song. Don't just run into communion sometimes. And one of the reasons, at least right now, that we only do communion once a month is because I don't want it to become such a regular thing that we just like, oh, you know, here's this wafer and here's this juice and we just move on. I want this to be a moment where you declare again, thank you, Jesus. As we see what his love looks like over, over the next month, over and again, as we focus on what Jesus did for us, on the cross, and recognizing that he showed up for us to begin with, we declare his goodness over and over again. So I, I, I'm going to pray for us.
as long as you need to, to sit on that and say, hey, God, maybe some things happened yesterday, last week, whatever. I mean, we're coming out of a time that we spent with family, so there's probably some repentance that needs to happen. And so maybe before you take communion, just say, hey, God, if there's any wicked place in me, let me wash this out. Let me, let me, let me cast those things aside. Let's pray. Lord, you've made us to know you as sons and daughters. But you've called us to be a royal priesthood. You've called us to know you in such a way that we would invite other people into that same place. And today, as we take communion, as we're reminded of your sacrifices, we're reminded of what you paid for on the cross through your broken body and your shed blood. Lord, we receive that. We receive again and again, the, and we acknowledge over and over again that our forgiveness rests on you. Lord, we don't trust on our own works. We don't trust on our own efforts. We trust on you in the completed work of the cross. And so, Lord, as we take communion, Lord, I pray that you would call us Call us into your kingdom, Lord. We would know that it is time for us to lay aside all of this foolishness, all of these other things, and and focus on the kingdom mission that you've given us that we can accomplish even at our workplaces, even uh, in our friend circles. Lord, you've placed us in those areas. So, Lord, give us the ability and the desire to proclaim your excellency. Proclaim how we came out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Would you change our hearts this morning? And Lord, if there's someone in this room that hasn't decided, hasn't stepped into that reality, Lord, I pray that today that you would call their heart to you. That you would allow them to acknowledge their desperate need and desire for a Savior and that they would put their trust completely So, Lord, do a new work in us today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.